Okay, we're in Revelation chapter 20. I'm not going to take the time to read down through it. Like I said, we've got a long way to go. It's only 15 verses, but each verse is a stepping off place for a lot of teaching. Okay, so I'm going to try to condense. I can already tell you that at 11 o'clock we'll still be here, but we'll try to keep it, you know what I mean, more than just saying let's pray. Uh, as we look in your word, we take your word so seriously. And we we long for this this day, Lord. Our our uh, our whole constitution, Lord. We look forward to the kingdom. We pray, Thy kingdom come. Uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not the case now, but we're looking forward to that great and awesome day. And Lord, uh, help us to understand some things. And we'll look at the great white throne judgment. Very sobering. Um, there are people we know were headed for that time. And we give us no great joy to say that. And pray, Lord, that this would be the day that they wake up and smell the coffee, where they realize what's going to happen and take steps, Lord, by trusting in the Savior for salvation. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want an angel come down from heaven. I don't, you know, if I go back and show you, you know, I saw a powerful angel, I saw a mighty angel, I saw an angel with a loud voice. Here, an angel. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He lays the hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now you're happy. Why do they do it now? It's not time yet. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal about upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. The question always there, why? Let's get to that. First of all, this is what John says. He saw an angel come down from heaven. He's got the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. These things are self-explanatory. Let's go on to the next verse. He grabbed hold of Satan. He's not a mighty angel. He's not a powerful angel. And I say, the joke is always, I say Clarence. And, and the kids are saying, like, okay, what's Grant's on about now? I was talking Wednesday night to a young lady of his church, and I said, uh, do you know when I say Clarence, you know what I'm talking about? And she's, I said, she's not, no. I said, you ever see uh, It's a Wonderful Life? And she's like, mm. uh, we watch black and white movies. I said, you know who Jimmy Stewart is? She goes, uh. so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm updated. Okay, we'll call this angel, we'll call him Urkel. Okay, now we get it. Ah, oh, I get it, I get it. Listen, he's on the end of the bench, right? He, he's, he's like, like, like if, if angels have wings, his are like crooked, okay? If angel has a halo, his is kind of like, it's got white tape on it, okay? It's a black horn-brim halo with black tape holding together, okay? This is herbal angel. Now, if, if there be a God-variety, vanilla-flavored angel, this is him. Nothing special, just an angel. And he grabs hold of Satan. Well, wait a second, that Satan's a cherub. That's like a, an order of magnitude above, isn't it? Like, isn't cherub, isn't like, that's what, like, uh, you know, there's only a, a few cherubs, and, and they have this, like, they're, like, amazing angels, and this is, yeah. Yeah. And, by the way, he throws him in this place. He laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan bound him a thousand years, scraps him, wraps him up in this chain, thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit. Greek abuso, we would say abyss. 
I believe, because I'm very, very strange, and you can disagree with this, I believe it's in the center of the earth. Why? Well, because I think for something to be truly bottomless, it would be in the center of a sphere. All directions would be up. The earth is spinning. So isn't it just kind of tumbling, falling forever, but not really going anywhere? And I hope he gets vertigo. I'm just saying. I don't, I'm not a fan of Satan. Hate him. I hate him. Why? Because a lot of my friends are under his influence. All of my family, not, not my wife, not my son, you know, but my extent, all of them. All of them. I hate him. I, I hope he's eternally thrown up there as he falls forever. Well, for a thousand years. He's cast in the bottom of the pit. He's shut up and the seal set upon him, right? He, he takes this chain. Well, how do you, how do you bound, how do you bind a, a spiritual being with a physical chain? Don't know. Don't care. How do you, how do you shut up Satan with a seal? Hey, it's the same word for seal that we're sealed with. Can he break it? No. No. So for a thousand years, he's out of the way. I love that. How long has he gone for? Well, a thousand years, verse 2 says. Verse 3, um, he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. Verse 4, right at the end of verse 4, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Uh, verse 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God, and Christ and shall reign with him, what? A thousand years. Verse 7, when a thousand years are expired. Now, you know that your pastor is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. We totally get that. Some would say he's a few french fries short of a happy meal. And those are the gracious ones. I get it. But I think, as I read, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, and thousand years, that God is trying to tell us something. This is for a thousand years. Now, this brings us to the first fork in the road. There are those people who don't believe in the kingdom. Ah, millennialists. By the way, they are the majority, and they are wrong. It doesn't bother me to be in the minority. I, I'm very comfortable there. I'm comfortable there in my politics. I'm comfortable there in my theology. Uh, even my food preferences. The restaurants I go to, I'm like with lines like way out the door. I'm just, I'm kind of different and I think it's okay. Theologically, I'm not this arrogant. General. I mean, I have a tendency towards arrogance. I think we all know that. But I'm correcting this. I'm correcting this. This is what we look uh, Satan's bound for a thousand years, and that's it. That's the, that's the kingdom in Revelation chapter 20. Hardly mentioned at all. Why? Again, John presupposes that we know the 65 books that have gone forth. We just looked at a very narrow gauge, like Wednesday night. We looked at Israel in the kingdom age, and we had a ton of verses that we really went over real quick. Probably too quick. And there was I could have four or five weeks on just Israel on the kingdom. 
And I could teach on the Gentiles during the kingdom, worship during the kingdom, general conditions during the kingdom, and take weeks and weeks in all of this. Why? Because the whole Bible is much, many, lots of verses. Can I show you just a couple? Because I, I don't think I do diligence unless we should look at a couple. Because not everyone's watching Wednesday night, and they should. And they, frankly, they should. I don't say that at all, my teaching them, this is about revelation, though, and they should, because we're augmenting the book with our Wednesday night teaching. So Isaiah chapter 2, I'm just going to both Isaiah just because, okay? Isaiah chapter 2. Oh, I can't even flip the page. Um, the word of the, uh, that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the last days. Okay, now we know the time. Alright? The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come, uh, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths. We're out of Zion. Remember, I said Zion is the key all the time. I mentioned Zion. It's always talking about the kingdom. Okay, okay. Uh, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge among many nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into uh, pruning hooks. That happen now? Not so as you notice. Not so as you notice. We evacuated Afghanistan and nothing. Everything is good. People are, every day is a holiday, every meal is a banquet. Because we don't really know much about war here on this world. Back to the sarcasm, right? There's going to come a time when swords uh, and spears will become farming implements. Okay? Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Imagine if our budget didn't include the military. Now, by the way, thank God for them. All right, I'm not anti-military. I would love to live in a world where the military wasn't necessary. I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine that. You know I'm not anti-military. You know I serve proudly in the armed forces. Many of my brothers and sisters here did. They can learn war no more. Oh, house of Jacob, come here and let us walk in the light of the Lord. What a day that's going to be. Isaiah chapter... 65, 66 is also good, it kind of ends dramatically on the negative. 65, uh, uh, let's look at start in verse 17. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Now, some people think that's the new creation, the new of the new heavens and earth at the end of the millennial kingdom, but it's not. For behold, it's better read this way: For behold, I create heavens and earth anew. And the word is like anew then means kind of refurbished. The meek shall inherit the earth, this earth. Okay, during the kingdom age, you're gonna there'll be like places like Egypt and Assyria and Edom and Babylon, and they're mentioned. In scripture, okay? We're going to inherit this earth. He's going to create the heavens and the earth anew. Why? 
because water is turned to blood, because mountains and islands have fled away, because there was dramatic things happening to ruin the earth during the tribulation period. So he's going to he's going to reform that, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Hmm. But ye shall be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and my joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Is that happening now? Not so as you notice. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die in hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Love to explain that, but we've got an old badge of that now. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Again, listen Wednesday night, last Wednesday we covered this. For they shall be they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant. And another eat, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth the trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Imagine a prayer that you just started praying and answered. How come it's not that way now? God could have done it that way all the time. It serves his purpose to not do it that way. He wants us to pray and not faint. He wants us to pray and keep praying. To knock and keep knocking, to seek and keep seeking. That's the way he wants it. It shall come to pass, before they call, I will answer. While they are speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. A couple of well-known passages. Just a couple. Is there more? Ugh. We could go on and on and on and on. Revelation chapter 20. He laid hold of the dragon, old serpent, which was the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a sail upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he, he, shall, he must be loosed for a little season. And we'll cover that loosing here in our reading today, so I'll table that for the time being. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Who's that? That'll be you. I mean, you want to go look at all the verses and say we're going to rule and reign with him forever? Um. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon the foreheads or in the hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, let's cover this. It's one of the only places I know of in all of Scripture that covers this group of people. We call them the tribulation saints, for lack of a better term. That's the theological designation. How do we know these aren't church people? Because church people have gone in the rapture. These are people who lost their heads, literally. And that's why I've always said that. And this is the verse that supports it. They were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. I have maintained. Not everyone does in Calvary Chapel services. As a matter of fact, it's a minority view within a minority view. I have maintained that the Antichrist has an Islamic background. 
and say, well, he's Roman. I agree. But remember Rome, I, and I've said this like only a million times. Paul was a Roman citizen. Okay? Was Jesus a Roman citizen? No. But was he affected? Was he in the Roman Empire? Yes. That's why he wasn't born up in Judea, up in Nazareth. He was born down in Bethlehem because of a an edict from a Roman emperor. Because that was, they were, they were in. So, in three something AD, 300 something AD, Constantine takes the capital of the world, Rome, moves it to Constantinople. Well, Byzantium, and he renamed it Constantinople after himself. And that leg, that eastern leg of the Roman Empire outlasts the western leg by a thousand years. So it's to think that, you know, he has to be from Italy proper, or from the European Union, We'll go ahead and believe that if you want. But he got he beheads. People are beheaded. One of the, this, all my stuff doesn't rest on this one verse. You do understand that. We've talked about this in the past, but that's one of the reasons I believe he's Islamic. They still do beheading. Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, anyone? Chop Chop Square. Um, go on YouTube. Don't take my word for it, but Anyway, let's keep moving. I saw the souls of them that would be headed for the... So, so when you miss the rapture, like many of our family and friends will, I mean, I don't want them to, but some of them witnessing to, some of them talking to, some of them talking about this day, and some of them are going to wake up small talk and say, I don't think that I want to take the mark because I'm going to die eternally. So they bravely say, no mark for me. Then what happens? Few, few brave souls will make it through the tribulation. Few. How many? Goats, right? There will be a sheep and goats judgment, and there will be sheep. But they're beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, because they wouldn't worship the beast, they wouldn't worship his image, they wouldn't receive his mark on their foreheads or in their right hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Say what? Wait a second, beheaded? Uh, uh, just a big clue here. If somebody takes your head, that's all, you're all, it's all done. You're all, you're not going to be functional. It's not like your tonsils or something. You might have got your tonsils removed, you're still okay. You get your head removed, game over, right? But they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This presupposes resurrection. This is resurrection language. So the resurrection ends with, the first resurrection ends with this group, but the rest of the dead live not until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. In other words, the, the resurrection of these beheaded ones, these tribulation saints, at the end of the first resurrection. And as I've told you, but let's refresh, two resurrections, they're not events, they're categories. Okay, the first resurrection is the resurrection of the righteous, starting with the first fruits of them which slept. We know him as Jesus Christ, resurrected during the feast of first fruits. He was the first fruits of them that slept, and others with him. Uh, Matthew 28, anybody? Okay, you remember others? Uh, graves were open and people came into the. And so Matthew gives us that little tidbit because to keep the tithe, because uh, it was a sheaf of grain, it wasn't an individual, like one stalk of grain. 
so that he was the first fruits, plural, of them that slept. And that's the first part of the resurrection. What happens after that? Well, part, phase two of the first resurrection would be the rapture. Phase three, I would say, it's the, the two witnesses in chapter 11. Phase four, the righteous Old Testament saints, because they're part of the kingdom too. And phase five, and I'm not in this one, is these ones right here. The tribulation saints. And that closes the book on the first resurrection. From Adam, if he was saved, I like to think so, being named Adam. It's certainly Abel, right? All the righteous dead throughout all the Old Testament up to the very last person who trusts Christ for their salvation. They're all accounted for here. The first resurrection. And it's good to be part of the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part of the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. And we've said, born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. You've seen people with shirts, born right the first time, oh my, no. No. That, no. That, that's sad and theologically very wrong. No. You weren't born right the first time. You were born under Adam's sinful race. You need to be born again. I'll show you that. They, the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall rule and reign with him a thousand years. Reigning and priests. Remember that? We talked about this too. There's only three persons in all the scripture are both kings and priests. You can't be a king and a priest. If you're in Israel, if you're a priest, you were born Levitical. You're in the tribe of Levi. If you were a king, you were Ju born in the tribe of Judah. You gotta be one, you gotta be the other, you can't be both. Well, you say my mom was uh, from uh, Levi uh, and dad was from Judah. You'd be of the line of Judah then. You don't cross them. Nobody rules and reigns. Nobody is, I, I should say it this way, nobody's a king and a priest, except Melchizedek, who runs the hymn in Genesis, right? And the other one is Jesus Christ. Why? Because, well, Adam, he's a child of Judah, but he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. We learned this in Hebrews. We won't revisit here. So you said there was three. Who's the other one? You, me. We're priests under our God, and we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ as kings and queens. How's that work? Because well, we're in Christ. If our, if our bridegroom is ruling and reigning. Isn't the queen get any power in all this? Isn't she part of the whole, you know, kingdom package? Scripture says that we are. We don't have, the second death has no power in us, but we're priests of God. I love that. And of Christ. And we're going to reign with him. Reign, R-E-I-G-N, like, like a king or a queen does. We're going to reign with him for a thousand years. That's it. That's all scripture says about the, uh, the whole in New Testament about the thousand year reign. And now we're going to look at the end of it. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his present prison. It was a good time. <laughs> we had a good run. You know, he was and you gotta figure that Satan was bound, so were his henchmen, all the demons, all the devils of hell, all the, the those spirits that fell with him during the during the revolt. I, I mean, you know, so Satan's gone, but all the others are still running around, causing mayhem. 
You know the old joke, uh, you've seen it like on a bumper stick or something, uh, lead us not into temptation, I can find it on my own. The kingdom proves that. That is true. We have Satan out of the way, and we still have sin. We still have, well, look at it. Satan's going to be loosed out of his prison. He's going to go and deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth, God and Magog, together into, together to a battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So, I was listening to one guy who I respect a lot, and he, he's not Calvary Chapel, and he makes Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38 and 39. That's the Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle. I think he's wrong for a lot of reasons. But again, if we badger that and chase that, we will finish this chapter. Gog and Magog show up here, and I think they're just the spirits of the same old Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38 and 39, which, by the way, could happen today, tomorrow, week from Tuesday. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Will it happen before the rapture? Don't know. I talk, talk to a lot of friends, a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors, and I get a sense, you know, you know, people have a, a sense or an idea, but we can't find any scripture that exactly puts this happens in this order, then this happens in this order. We, we can't, I, I don't know. Um, Chuck Smith used to be fond of saying that, you know, God may God come down, we go up. But I think that was just like wishful thinking. I, I, it was hard for me to picture Israel being left alone when the United States is not hadn't been nuked off into oblivion. Seven, eight months ago, I couldn't picture that scenario happening unless there was a preemptive strike on America. Now all we can do is depend on the election results. Hey, good luck, you're on your own, Israel. And I can see that happening today. Anyway, so Gog and Magog are not Ezekiel 38 and 39, but those spirits are still around. Uh, Gog is a prophet now, Magog is a place. He's like the prince. Gog is like the chief, the head of, of Magog. It's, but I think they're still around, even a thousand years uh, later. And the whole reason Satan's left out, is, let out, is to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth. We live in a per as perfect as we can ever expect to have. Listen, every man under his vine, under his fig tree, the conditions of the earth are kind of Edenic. We still have sinful natures, not us, the church. We're resurrected, but as people, we still have sinful natures. And Satan can grab hold of that and work it to his own ends. There's already been people who are dying in the tribulation, not the majority. I think the population by this time would be huge, maybe even in the trillions. Yeah, you heard me right, trillions. Can the world sustain it? We'll see. Jesus is in charge. I'm not, I'm not nerfed up. That's like, the logistics of it is kind of his problem. But don't worry, he'll help. You'll help. You'll be you'll part of the administration. Um, so he's going to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. You're thinking, that cannot be. It is. It is. It is. How do people get saved during the tribulation period? Like people get saved now faith in Jesus Christ. Is that, is that the majority view? Well, it's never been. And you know, um, you're saying, well, we'll tell them about the earth and how it used to be. you got to remember that these things won't come into our memory anymore. 
That's what we read in Isaiah 65 that the old world, the old remember. Look, we're talking about like Jesus dying for their sins, and unless you accept Jesus by the time you're 100, it's going to go very badly. I'm a 99, just a kid. <laughs> we have bandless youth, right? Hey, what are you talking about? My light's going great. I'm rocking it. I don't need. I know what you're, you're on about. Next day, he turns 100 tips over. And he's isolated enough events. We get, but we're trying to tell him. But they won't listen. Is there, like, evidence of this happening? Remember, there's going to be a temple in Jerusalem where blood sacrifice will go on. Will that atone for anything? No, it won't. The blood of goats and sheep can never take away sin. We already understood that. Holes of goats don't cure you from your sinful nature. They just present a picture. And I think the reestablished kingdom worship will present a picture. We talked about that Wednesday night. If you want to listen to that in full, go ahead and download that. But, you know, when you tell people about the flood, they don't believe that either. There's only evidence everywhere on the planet. You can't go anywhere and see any evidence of the flood. Do people believe you? I've thought about this long and hard. People believe what they want to believe. That's not so profound. But it's true. But it's true. Why? John chapter 3. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why they don't come to the light. By the way, that works 100% of the time. In every instance, always, without fail. Well, God didn't show me to Stop this. Just stop. I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. Who are you talking to? You don't want to believe. That's the whole thing. It's always the whole thing. Always. And it'll be the whole, it'll be the same thing this way. Oh, great, we can overthrow this kingdom. Why? He's been only good. He's kept peace on the earth. These are people who are gonna go up against Jerusalem, not having any idea how to fight. They haven't been like training or anything. There's no military, there's nothing to show them, and here they go to battle. Why? Because Satan said this is a good idea. There's enough people like with just with rebellion in their hearts. They're going to gather, he's going to gather them together. The number of whom is the sand of the sea. Lots, 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 lots. And they went on the breath of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints, about in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven. About a big battle now beyond. You remember? People tell about Armageddon, this nuclear fest. It's going to, the whole planet's going to light up. What are you talking about? Jesus comes back, and I saw the, uh, the beast, the kings of the earth, and the armies gathered together to make war against him and set on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet gone. When you go up against Jesus, it's not like, you know, well, it's okay for a few rounds. And then, what are you, ridiculous? He's the creator. People think that Satan and God are equals. They are not. God is the creator. Satan is created. And he has no chance whatsoever, despite what all the rhetoric and all the talking, he has no chance of defeating Jesus when he returns. None. So he's going to try it again. And he's been stewing for a thousand years, thinking about, oh, when I get out of here. When you get out of here, nothing. Nothing. Your feeble attempts at rebellion are nothing. They're not even worth talking about. They're a verse in scripture, a run-on sentence. And then what happened? Then the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. So much for annihilationism. What do you mean, Adam? 
Because the beast and the false prophet we've understood were there at the beginning of the tribulation and they're still there. They're not where the beast and the false prophet were until they burned up. They were the feast, beast and the false prophet. I know the beast and the false prophet are men, human beings like you and me. And they've been burning for a thousand years so much for annihilationism. There are those who believe that you go to hell and you burn up. What are you talking about? Which verse? There's not what scripture knows nothing of that. No. The words for everlasting death and everlasting life, the words not only in English but in Greek are the same word. Just think it all the way through. Your choices are forever choices. I think sometimes we don't think we can always change. We can change our mind. We can change. Yeah, you can. Think about it. Our words, we say them. And it's like, you know, you see like a football game where it's very cold, and you see the guy on the sideline breathing, and, and it, it just, it turns the paper, and it's gone like, just like that, as they breathe out. We think our words are like that. We speak them, they're gone. You know, it's not really. Every idle word you ever speak, you're going to give an account of. Words are nuclear. Words are like super important. Nothing passes away like we think it is. So I'm just going to die, go in the ground, turn to worm child. Maybe my spirit will go to some afterlife place. I don't know. Burn up because I've been a bad guy. and That's it. What are you talking about? You're an eternal being. You're created in the image of God. You, you, when you die, you don't even change your address. You're not going to change your foreverness. But let's keep moving. The devil is seated on his castle lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. And can I just add, forever and ever and ever and ever. It's really serious. It's really serious. Jesus talked about hell, and Jesus believed in hell. He talked about like it's a real place. This is awful place. You don't want to go there. It was made for Satan and his angels. But if you don't want God, well, let's read it. And I saw a great white throne. This is called the great white throne judgment. And him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. What? The earth and the heaven. What are they standing on? I don't know. Let God work out the logistics of it. And I saw the dead. Does you and me? No. We're already resurrected. We're alive from the moment. The dead. You know, those who weren't born again. You remember the first resurrections happened. Everyone's headed for a resurrection. If you pilot the first resurrection, great. Pilot the second resurrection, well, let the scripture speak for itself. This is the denouement. This is the end game. This is how it all plays out. I saw the great white throne. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, some are listening to me either here or on Facebook, even right now or later on, and they're saying, well, that's fine. Bring it. I'm a good person. One, you're not. And two, I, 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 don't, I don't have the vocabulary to describe your ridiculousness. I always think like, I don't do a lot of things. See, I know, I know like, we're all the same, and I always try to say this, like, the things that you wrestle with, the things that I wrestle with, I'm not a super saint. I'm, I'm 
subject to the same foibles you're subject to. I go to a job site, and people are like, you know what their problem is? Man, their language is one. They have no fear of God. Their activities, they're bragging about all this. The things that they brag about is unrighteousness all the time, continually. And by comparison, sometimes I think, I look pretty good. So you're saying, Adam, you want to go and stand before God based on how good you are. No. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not ridiculous. Because I know I'm my best. I'm Catholic, Catholic. Pastor, for goodness sake. Yeah, that doesn't count. That, who cares? God's in. Calvary Chapel never heard of it. I don't know what you're talking about, but if I stand before him based on what I've done, well, I understand some things. Let me share with you. Romans chapter 3. And I'd be remiss if I didn't share this. Romans chapter 3. We can all turn there. We're going to be in there a couple minutes. Listen, we're going to finish, right? I'm going to go like crazy. You're going to listen like crazy, okay? Turn up your hearing. We're going fast now, okay? Revelation, I mean, Romans chapter 3. Verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Uh, are Jews better than Gentiles? Is what he's saying in context. No, no, in no wise. We have uh, before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they're all under sin. As it was written, there was none righteous, no, not one. Some people say, I'm going to stand before God and we'll give him peace of my mind. Oh, you're the most ridiculous of all. Yeah, you want, you can't spare it, too. You're not talking. You're listening. You can stand before God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. You're not the one. I am not the one, certainly. Will I stand before God? Yeah. Based on what Jesus Christ has done for me. He took my sin and he gave me his righteousness. That's the only way to stand before this thrice holy God. It's the only footing, sure footing, that there is before this God. The, the dead who didn't take advantage of the opportunity in life, it's not going to go well. Why? Because there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. He repeats, no, not one. There's somebody out there thinking, I'm the exception. No, not one. Well, I'm better than this guy. But they that compare themselves with themselves are unwise. Because what the Bible says is none righteous. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, grave. It's an open grave, right? They, with their tongues, they have uh, used to see the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Come to my job with me. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. That the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and there should be. He's a holy God. But there's no fear of God. So I can't. I'll tell him. I'm you are, no, no. Now we know that what things so the law saith, it saith to them uh, who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Except for you, you're the, you're the oh, I just want to judge me just according to my works. I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit for whatever. That's, do you realize how absurd that is? No one's going to stand in this judgment. Let's look at it in Revelation. Again, let's let the scripture say for itself. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. Why? Just to show up in this name, that your name's not here. It's not in the book of life. Yours is, hopefully, mine is, 
Everyone just I just was born my name no, it's from the foundation of earth, all those who have trusted Christ for the salvation. If you're trusting in your own works, let's see where that leads to. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And there were and, and there were judged. Every man, the word by the word, every man is singular there. Every man according to their works. How long does that take? How many people have been alive throughout all the ages? By the way, who cares how long it takes? You, you ain't got nothing else on your schedule, okay? You got eternal lake of fire on your schedule. You're dragging your feet and dawdling at this point. But everyone's going to give an account. And, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Everyone stands and makes it first judgment. You, you know, well, I didn't know. Well, I, you know, the books are open. And they're accurate. And you got no defense. I'm a good person, you say. Tell it to the judge. He's thrice old. I wouldn't want to be standing before God on my best day ever trying to explain why I said this and why I thought this and why my attitudes were this and how come I... Why do people think that that's like a, a good thing? That they, Like I'm a good person? Why? There's none good. No, not one. Didn't we read it? Listen, you and Scripture disagree. Guess which one is wrong? But let's keep moving. Death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. You remember? Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath power of the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Teflon. I'm under the blood of Jesus. Ten foot tall and bulletproof. Do I stand before God in my righteousness? Oh my goodness. I, I shudder. I shudder. Why? Our righteousness is filthy rags. I'm talking about a sin. I'm talking about righteousness. I stand before God in my righteousness? That's laughable. I stand before God in His holy, blameless, pure righteousness. It's going to be a good day for me and you who trust in the Savior. Those who haven't, I can just hear Him now telling God, I'm a good person. And death and hell will cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever, listen, I just, I'm going to end with this. Listen, this, 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 this. Pray to God this verse will just hit your brain and your heart in such a way you're never the same. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life. Let's get rid of that good person nonsense once and for all, forever. It's a lie, Satan. It will take you to hell. Whoso is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. <sighs> Gee, I'm glad I came this morning. I'm glad you came too. It's not a feel-good message. I know. I totally know. But I can't, you know, choose what to teach on, what not to teach on. But listen, with the new sense of vigor, and, and we're not going there. Praise His holy name. But we have friends and family who are. Does your heart break a little bit? Of course it does. Of course it does. Because we're human beings and and, and we love it. This love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given us. We don't want anyone to go to this awful place. And most of the people we know are. Let's just, let's just work. Let's just pray. Let's just trust in God. Hope that one less and one less and one less. And I, I don't know. But you got, we got work to do, right? Roll up our sleeves and we get some stuff we got to accomplish. Okay, well, 
Look at uh, chapter 21 next week. Let's stand, let's pray, and our, our worship team will come to send us out in song. Uh, well, this is awful, scary stuff. Um, but we rejoice and we celebrate the goodness of our God. We thank you for this great salvation. Uh, Lord, you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Surely, Lord, you are good. And all goodness, all blessing flows from you. We praise you, Lord, uh, because Jesus Christ died for our sins. Lord, we thank you for just being so good to us all the time. And Lord, set a fire under us. I mean, we want your heart in these matters. I don't think you're indifferent when you judge everyone, send them all eternal lake of fire. And I, I pray you motivate us, help us. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone, Lord. I'm not in the guilt. You know how I am. But but Lord, we should be about you know, our Father's business for sure. So Lord, we thank and praise for our time spent in your word. Teach us in Jesus' name. Amen.